Kapag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo Baka tuluyan na kayong di matuntun Hi there, this is Mark Sabalia and thank you for coming back to Sagittarian Project a history podcast featuring readings about the dark years of martial law in the Philippines. We are on episode 8 right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, first, welcome! (laughs) And while there is no prescribed order of listening to these episodes, as I try to make each episode stand alone on its own, I do recommend that you at least listen to the first episode to provide some context. Alright, we will continue reading about the so-called emergency situation in the Philippines that made Marcos decide to put his own country into some of its darkest moments in history. His actions appear to have been calculated and orchestrated much earlier. But before we begin our reading, I want to tell you about the nonprofit volunteer team of human rights educators called Shareware School. They are running a program called Human Rights Crash Course. This course is about their proposed method of teaching human rights in class and about uh, explaining human rights to kids. I attended the course last weekend and I thought it was clear, concise. Uh, very relatable because it is Philippine-centric. It's easy to digest because it's broken down into fundamental levels that is easy to absorb. The whole webinar runs for two hours, very organized, punctual, and interactive. I will leave the link in the show notes for the registration if you find yourself interested. Okay, shall we start our reading for today? We are on the last few pages of Chapter 3 of The Conjugal Dictatorship by Primitivo Mijares. The book I heard was recently sold out. So so there seems to be some renewed interest in the book in light of recent events, recent interviews, recent surge of fake news, I suppose. But it is now available again in in the Ateneo Press website and also in their partner e-commerce websites. On to our reading for today. The corruption of the Marcos administrations even compelled the Central Intelligence Agency to revise its profile on Marcos to include therein an observation that Marcos was, quote, incredibly corrupt, unquote. Having amassed cash and other holdings in the Philippines and various foreign countries, including the United States and Switzerland, amounting to $2 billion dollars, in 1969. Computing for inflation, $2 billion in 1969 is equivalent to $13.15 billion in 2016. At this time, Marcos was also faced with the personal dilemma of his wife, who decided to set in motion a process that would make herself a candidate to succeed her husband as President of the Philippines. Imelda had already been meddling in the exercise of the powers of the presidency, including her unashamed use of public funds. Imelda as president and Marcos the first man? It was a grim prospect that challenged the chauvinism in Marcos, 
a negation of his decision that power cannot be allowed to slip from his effective control as long as he was alive. Marcos then mustered enough courage to put his foot down on Imelda's ambition while they were cruising on board the presidential yacht RPS-777 around Manila Bay in the latter part of June 1972. The quarrel became so violent that the First Lady scratched Ferdinand on the face. In retaliation, Marcos slapped her so heavily that she fell to the floor. Later, Marcos announced that his wife had suffered a miscarriage and blamed it all on the unfair criticisms on Mrs. Marcos by elements of the quote, sick society, including his media critics. It was also a time when Marcos felt that all the frustrations of his political career were coming his way. There were the merciless criticisms by his political opponents and even from his own party. The untrammeled and ever-increasing crescendo of assaults on his integrity by the free-swinging Philippine news media. To Marcos, all this constituted poisoned darts and arrows, which he could not evade, because he deserved them and more, simply because there were democratic niceties and rules which he had to abide in his conduct of the affairs of state. Damn the legal niceties, damn democracy and free speech, he must have thought. With only a year left in his second term presidency, there certainly would be no time at all to even up scores with political opponents, newspapermen, and the allegedly abusive oligarchy. An entire lifetime freed from the shackles of guarantees of civil liberties was needed. Marcos must have his vengeance. That was the quote, emergency situation, unquote, that faced Marcos in mid-1972. It was very personal to him. Even from the single consideration that Marcos must carve out a nice niche for himself in Philippine history, there was a pressing, quote, emergency situation. The tightening news of circumstances showed that unless Marcos took some drastic steps, the inevitable verdict of history on Marcos as of 1972 would be that he was nothing but a scoundrel. Watergate is really peanuts, a mere drop in the bucket compared to the chicanery that Marcos indulged in upon his assumption of power in the Philippines in 1965. At its worst, Watergate was a fumbling attempt at espionage to ensure an election campaign overkill by President Nixon's campaign strategists and a subsequent attempt at cover-up. In the case of Marcos of the Philippines, the regime is engaged in a series of cover-ups for numerous cover-ups. My own assessment that martial law was resorted to by President Marcos as a means of perpetuating himself in power and covering up for his mafia sons and non-fia sons during his corrupt and abusive one and two presidency in Malacanang is borne out by various quarters. From the dark confines of his solitary cell at Fort Bonifacio in Makati, Rizal, the headquarters of the Philippine Army AFP imprisoned Senator Aquino Jr. gave his own angry insight into the sanctimonious claim of Marcos that he imposed martial law only as a means of saving the Republic from its enemies. He declared, quote, Mr. Marcos says he declared martial rule to establish a new society. 
but what he created is the oldest society recorded by history. A society of absolute rule by one man who, in various epochs, was called a pharaoh, a shah, an emperor, a king, a deus, a caudillo, a ferrer, a chairman, or a president. Mr. Marcos says a new constitution has been overwhelmingly ratified by the Filipino people in January 1973. This new constitution ordains a drastic change from a presidential to a parliamentary form of government. But what we have today is a worse centralized presidency, a totalitarian regime where both legislative and executive powers have been merged under one man. We have a parliamentary government without the parliament. Instead of moving forward to parliamentary democracy, we moved backwards to the very extremes of presidential authoritarianism. Mr. Marcos says he has checked, if not eliminated, the privileges and the rule of an entrenched oligarchy. Yes, the rule of the few has been eliminated. It has been reduced to the rule of one. Mr. Marcos misses no stroke in his incessant flogging of the old society as if he is a complete stranger to that old society, having come from outer space on September 21, 1972. Lest we forget. It was during his incumbency as early as 1966 when documented rake-offs from public works contracts reached into the millions, when he encouraged the proliferation of private armies and the smuggling by his political henchmen of high-powered weapons with impunity, when 26 Muslim Jabida volunteers were murdered in cold blood in Corridor, when our republic nearly got embroiled in a foreign adventure with a neighboring state to secure a quote, power of attorney granted by the heirs of the Sultan of Sulu to Mr. Marcos. It was during his incumbency when our currency was debauched and devalued by an unprecedented 58% as a result of wanton election spending overkill in 1969. Mr. Marcos squandered almost 900 million pesos to re-elect himself as per the findings of the Senate Committee on Finance. We are still hurting from that disastrous devaluation. It was during his incumbency when despairing youth took to the streets to denounce his abuses and misrule, when several idealistic young demonstrators were mowed down in cold blood while, while some others were picked up during the night by agents of the law and disappeared forever. It was during his incumbency when the prestige of the House of Representatives hit rock bottom with the revelation of scandalous fund transfers from Malacanang to finance and rigged the elections of hand-picked Marcos-type constitutional convention delegates. It was during his incumbency that the constitutional convention was openly, flagrantly, and shamelessly subverted with fat payola envelopes, triggering a massive expose of lurid payoffs in the very precinct of Malacanang. And when his concon manipulations began to falter, Mr. Marcos declared martial rule, jailed the independent and opposition leaders who opposed his wishes in the convention, and rammed through a Marcos constitution in record time. It was during his incumbency when a few favored presidential cronies cornered billions of loanable funds of government financing institutions while the rest of the business community starved for capital. When the national economy teetered on the rink of near-total collapse as a result of massive graft 
and gross mismanagement. And when, finally, the Filipino people lost his freedoms and the flame of liberty was snuffed. That concludes our reading for today. Thank you to the Ateneo Press and the Miharis family for granting us permission to use the conjugal dictatorship for the readings in this podcast. And thank you also to Gary Granada for the music on the show. It is a song called May Aro Rin Kayo from the musical Leon, a Filipino musical. Finally, thank you for listening to the Sagittarian Project. If you enjoy listening to our episodes, please consider subscribing to this podcast and leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts to help us get more people to listen to the show. You can also spread help spread the word on this podcast so that more people will be able to listen to bite-sized pieces of history of particularly the martial law years. You can also follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please let us know by sending us a message on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Project and Sagittarian Project on Instagram. You can also email us at sagittarianproject at gmail.com. Alright, that's it for now and see you in our next week's episode. Kapag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo, baka tuluyan na kayong di matuntun. Kahit saan kayo magtago, kung may ulo ay may pako, baka tuluyan na kayong maibaon. May araw rin kayo, may araw rin kayo, 